full of trouble now Thought, how do we ever get so far down And how's it ever gonna turn around So I turned my eyes to heaven I thought, God, why don't you do something Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of People living in poverty Children sold into slavery The thought disgusted me So I shook my fist at heaven I said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did. Yeah. I created you. <laughs> All right, man. Happy Friday. I love Friday podcasts. I love when I've got a guest on the couch singing the song and really jamming out and uh, so that's awesome. Excited about this episode. Welcome to the People at Your Service podcast known as Pays. P-A-Y-S, where we are honored to introduce to you, the audience, an awesome person of service. I'm your host, Steve King, founded our company, People at Your Service, in 2016. 54 years old, have been blessed over those years to meet some incredible people of service and just excited to share them with the audience. So each episode, we're joined here uh, live and in person at our global headquarters of People at Your Service in Norwood, Ohio, outside of Cincinnati, from the podcast studio known as grandma's comfy couch room uh, and in honor of my saint of a mother-in-law Peg Ainge and Todd in my life uh, grandmas have been incredible people of service Peg is grandma to my kids my mom is grandma to my kids my grandmothers um, you're here in the newly kind of you're on, not only on the couch Peg's couch but it's my grandmother's quilt uh, that is now behind you uh, that I brought back Labor Day weekend because I'm home. I, my folks are in the process of moving uh, out of the house. They've been in for 40 plus years. And so they're gifting things and I grabbed that. So thanks for being here with us on Grandma's Comfy Couch. Great to be here, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Pull that mic up close to you, my friend. And so on the couch, we've got uh, a very good friend of mine, Todd Wolkowski. Todd is uh, just one of the best people that I know, one of the best connectors I know. I'm, I'm just excited to have this conversation. It's long overdue, so thank you for being here. So You bet. Yeah, so third time's a charm, as you said. We've had to, we've swung at this a couple times, but uh, now we're here. So, hey, and, and Todd, as we talked about off-air, so we break it up into a handful of segments, right? We'll do an intro, personal service, kind of getting to know you. We'll talk about you in 2022, which now we're rounding third and heading for home on 2022, and then uh, we'll roll the dice in front of you. And then we'll do our podcast goodbyes here. Sounds so, good. And you're sporting your Bengals gear, fresh off of last night's victory. This this won't be kind of released for another month. So hopefully the Bengals will be maybe eight and two by that time. They're currently two and two at time of recording this, coming off of a Dolphins uh, victory or beating the Dolphins on Thursday night. So um, that's right. Yeah, glad I have a voice because I was there last night. And- <laughs> place was loud and it was it was a lot of fun yeah well and I'm glad you're here because I know it was a late night if I see you napping on the couch I would understand why but uh, but thank you for being here so please if you would introduce yourself to the audience well I think right now uh, more than ever identity is a is a critical issue and so I like to start with the things uh, in in order of priority and the first thing is I'm a child of the, the most high yeah I'm a son of the king yeah and that really informs and instructs everything that I try to do uh, by his grace. Mm. The, the second is blessed to almost have 26 years with my wife, yeah. uh, Heather. And uh, so we're celebrating that in December. We got yeah. married in law school. 
which was really, you know, the, you know, December was right between semesters and it's a good time <laughs> to get married. There were law school. You don't have a whole lot of time to, to pull that off. Right. And then I am the, the father of, uh, four wonderful children, yeah. uh, Jack, Molly, Nick, and Ben, yeah. uh, two in college, uh, two in, in high school over at CHCA where my wife is the principal. Yeah. And you know, then I, I want to be a servant leader. And I think all those things are tied up. Yeah. You know, how you serve your, certainly serve God, serve your wife, serve your kids and, um, and serve your clients mm. and, 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 and your friends. Yeah. And so uh, my role right now, I wouldn't necessarily call me attorney because that kind of puts me more in a box than I want to be. I'm a trusted yeah. business advisor yeah. to a number of companies and a number of friends on a variety of issues mm. with a goal of helping them to grow Right. Uh, to help them achieve their purpose, uh, what what they've been called to do, and and be good stewards of their businesses. So I do that as a um, as a member at Frost Brown Todd here in Cincinnati. Mm. And you do a great job of that. And uh, again, we've known each other now for a number of years, which has been really fun. I remember the way I first got introduced to you. I think from our mutual friend John Adams. I think John said, hey, you've got a heart, Steve, for connecting. Let me introduce you to a guy that's going to take it up a few notches and, and introduce me to you. And uh, and it's really been fun because you've been a mentor to me, so I'm very grateful for that, um, where you've been helpful to just modeling you know, what that looks like in the world of fractional. We'll talk about fractional CXOs, right? Insert, you know, whatever kind of functional thing for that X, right? CFO, CMO, chief legal counsel, you know, those kind of things, fractional general counsel, but you've really modeled that. Um, so, so talk a little bit about that trusted advisor role, if you would, that you've had, maybe share an example or two along the way. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but, you, but our mutual friend, Amy Connor, when I talked about a person of service, which we'll morph into here in a second, named you as a person of service that's really modeled for her. So you've been kind of on this podcast, uh, you know, through uh, Amy's recognition of your servant uh, heartedness here. So that's great. Well, I'm a huge fan of Amy and, and what she's doing in the, the fractional chief marketing space. And it was just really neat to, you know, to, to help her discover a lot of people are, as you know, you left a big corporation yeah, yeah. and it's like, well, I do I jump into the big corporation? Well, some are called to do that and that's cool. But for Amy, she really wanted to, she really never thought about how do I serve a number of clients, use the skills that I learned at a really big company as they're on their growth trajectory, but they're not ready necessarily culturally or financially uh, to put that person in their C-suite, you know, just like you do with right. your sales, right. you know, a right. fractional sales movement. So um, I had been... I had been at a law firm. Uh, my first law firm, I was a litigator and uh, eventually morphed into a construction litigator and love construction. I, I'm a military veteran, so it reminds me a lot of that common shared vision and, you know, the effectiveness and the efficacy of that is by people coming together, sharing the vision and executing, mm. you know, not, not doing their own thing and, and, uh, and, and being a team. So uh, enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, after I made partner at the first firm, I got an opportunity to go be the first general counsel of a large construction company that's based here in Cincinnati, but it's got operations all over the U.S. And, you know, I, I had to kind of, uh, w when you're the first GC at a company, you've got to be able to prove to them that you truly are going to be a business partner. Mm. You're not going to be where the deal goes to die. Yeah. You're not going to give them <laughs> solutions that don't make sense with their right. risk appetite because, 
you know, the, the company Baker Concrete that I was at, they had a very high risk tolerance. They were a subcontractor in, you know, very dangerous projects, but yeah. exciting projects. And so that took some time to, you know, kind of change the paradigm that I was there to help, you yeah. know, and that I really was there to listen to them and provide solutions that they could actually implement and sometimes just walk them through mm. the things they were struggling with and, and draw that out of them so they could take ownership of it. So I did that for about seven years and, and, and again, thoroughly enjoyed it. Felt like, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of that, that zone where you're in your passions, you're in your strengths and you're providing value. Mm. That's a great place to be. It's an energizing place to be. Yeah. And I think that's where God calls all of us, you know, figure that out. And so then uh, really to stay in Cincinnati, which has become our home and which we love, I, um, I was going to, I didn't want to go back to a big firm. Most general counsels don't. Yeah. Um, I think largely because you've become a business person. You're really not a lawyer anymore, um, but you're a connector, right? As you talked about before, and, mm -hmm. and you connect resources and you deliver things. You don't feel like it's always something you have to do. It's something you have to take ownership of, but not that you have to literally do the research and the um, you connect with folks that can come alongside you and deliver what the client needs. So after, honestly, a lot of prayer, I was looking at the marketplace and I was talking to the marketplace. And I was like, well, what what is it? You know, I, I'm going back to a law firm, you know, kicking and screaming. And it's not, be, <laughs> it's not because the first firm, the first firm was exceptional. And yeah. it was a great way to, yeah. to integrate into a city that, it's hard to integrate into. Yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, it's just, it's very, it's, right. it's not xenophobic, but everybody's got their own <laughs> relationships. It's not very transient. So um, I was like, what is it that you don't get? I'm going to do it differently. And I, yeah. at that point from my heart, I didn't want to be a litigator anymore because I felt like a litigator was a reactive problem mm. solver, not a proactive problem solver. Yeah. And so Steve across the board, and I, I, I must've talked to 140 people. They said, we want advice. Yeah, We want advice. And I'm just scratching my head going, I think that's what we're supposed to do, right? Right. But then, you know, as, as I kind of unpacked it, the advice they wanted was they wanted strategic. They wanted someone who was looking at the whole enterprise. Yeah. Not solving one problem here to yeah. create legal whack-a-mole and three problems over here. Sure. They wanted somebody who's proactive, who is, you know, they're in their business. Mm -hmm. As much as we encourage them to, to get outside of the business and think about the direction, they've got their nose to the grindstone. So to have an advisor that's thinking about not just problems, but opportunities are coming down the gate. Uh, they appreciate that, yeah. right? Because again, you're, you're there to kind of help them grow. And then someone who gets to yes, you know, Steve, what is it you want to accomplish yeah. and how can I help you get there? And, right. and man, that's been a game changer Yeah. because so many clients are like, well, my lawyer just tells me what to do. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I'll give you advice, right. but I want to give you advice that's actually going to further your business goals versus advice you can't use. Yeah. Uh, we, we leverage risk. And so the idea is risk is not a dirty word. Yeah. You know, uh, again, most lawyers have gotten used to eliminating and reducing all risk. Uh, we want to calculate it. We want to leverage and harness it because most businesses, no, all businesses mm -hmm. have a business, they have a risk appetite. Right. Sometimes as they grow, it grows smaller, but as an entrepreneur, sure, yeah. what's your strategy? Yeah. Right. It's eat what you kill, man. Yeah. It's like, get yeah. after it. And then finally, just really from a trusted business advisor, someone who's really invested that time, yeah. getting to know them, getting to know their business. So the things that you can propose are more, um, are much more, um, they're more valuable. Yeah. And so I think that's, you know, my heart is I want to bring something different to the table that right. I know is going to help people grow, right. help them be better stewards of their business, help to create more jobs, right? Put more 
bread on table and, and get more kids to college or whatever their goals are, buy more mm. homes for their employees. And so that's where I, I effectuate my service mentality is, is how do I serve them better yeah. in that capacity? You know, and, and so you are a great person of service and you, you just have a heart for this and you are now in, I think you've been in for the last many years, this role that allows you to really do that. Like, you, like it's always fun talking with you because you just truly love and are so passionate about what you do and who you do it for. I mean, that's just so genuine and very authentic. So where does that come from? For you, is there a person or people that have modeled that, that have kind of, you know, were formed Todd Wolkowski before you were you here? Well, I mean, again, we share a faith. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I love Pays has, you know, even the image of the towel yeah. and the basin with the water. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Jesus showed you know, the, the day before he was going to his passion, what did he do? Mm. He took the dirty feet of his apostles. This is the Lord and God of the universe. And he used, he washed their feet. Because mm. the reality is they were walking around in sandals and their feet were right. dirty. Um, <laughs> but he wanted to show them that yeah. I, I'm going to come down and I, I'm going to get in all the mess of your life. Yeah. And I'm going to be there for him. I'm going to walk with this with you. And so yeah. that it started with that. And then, you know, my dad and mom certainly taught me that those values um my dad was an air force officer as well and so you know endemic in serving your country which i love this country you get that formulated more and more you know it's not again it's about the mission and about the people you serve it's not about you and you know then i was just blessed to have mentors growing up you know great priest and also i had a young life leader who had a tremendous impact on me mm. uh, and then through that just great examples of like you said, grandmothers. I mean, yeah. it's a tremendous grandparents that that showed me what that looked like and what they would make sacrifices for. So all that kind of came together. Um, and I mean, we're called to serve. Yeah, I mean, we're just called to serve. So, amen, yeah. amen, and and thank you for doing what you do. And and one of the things we were talking about for a minute, just off air, I'd love to have you talk about from a service standpoint is locally here in Cincinnati, the Garing Center. Um, you know, that's something you've been very involved with and passionate about. Uh, I I have not been as involved, but would love to learn about it. And would love to just share a little bit about that with the audience and who the Garing Center serves and how you do that. If you wouldn't mind sharing that, that'd be great. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, candidly, when I was coming back and, and figuring out how I was going to do things differently, uh, and offer something to the marketplace and hopefully through others that they weren't getting at that time. Yeah. Um, I knew that my focus was going to be on family, privately held business. Like I just, uh, I know people who love working with public companies and, and, and they're great, right? They, they create jobs and they do a lot of things, but really I, I would kind of some summarize public companies really focus a lot on compliance. Mm -hmm. And for me, I mean, I know compliance is important, but it's stifling. I mean, just, I love to be a creative problem solver and I love to get outside of the lines with people. And so that I knew that wasn't going to be my space, the public company. I knew it was going to be privately held. And, and, and I liked family just because, you know, it's like all families are dysfunctional. All, <laughs> all companies are dysfunctional, but what, what it does is um, like, I, I love to operate off EQ sometimes even more than IQ. Mm. And just to be able, those are very complicated issues when you got father and mother yeah, and right? succession and you yeah. got, one child in the business who's doing nothing, you know, and it's an ATM and you've got the other one, like the prodigal son that's working hard <laughs> and is getting bitter. And then you have non-family members that are contributing a ton. And, 
you know, those are just a, a just a, a bit of the issues that are out there. So what I found was when I, I said, hey, there's what I think I want to do. Fractional outsourced general counsel services backed by a, a big firm of resources and experts to small to medium-sized privately held businesses. Mm. I went around to folks that I, I had I learned I had a lot of respect for, including the late Bill Keating Jr., who was one of my partners at my first firm. And they said, you got to be a part of the Garion Center. And mm. I said, really? Um, and I said, why? And they said, you know, th- they are laser focused on the family businesses mm. and, and supporting them. And the, the issues that they regularly are going to run into, like their first strategic plan, like business succession, like forming your first board of advisors, you know, yeah. outside folks that are not in the business that can come alongside you, be advocates, uh, give you, give you some accountability as yeah. you report out to them. And so I got involved, um, in it. And it's been eight years ago, and I serve on the board now, and a number of my clients are are uh, are there. It's incredible educational process to really learn more and more about the issues that are facing these businesses. Because Steve, you know, <laughs> the engine of every economy in every city in our country is small to medium sized businesses. Yeah. It really is. And so, as go they, as go go our city. And so to me, it's, it's critical to support them. And frankly, I just, the last thing I would say on this is it's really, number one, it was really hard as a litigator. Um, when you finished, uh, especially as relational as I am, you finished an engagement and typically you'd battled it out for a while. And, um, you know, I certainly like to always get a good result, whether I was the plaintiff or as the defendant, and they would look at you and say, you know, thank you, but I hope I never have to talk to you again. Mm. And I was like, well, that's not going to work long-term for me. I'm just too relational for that. So um, what I love about this is you are oftentimes you're making such a difference that the level of appreciation, the level of collaboration and then bringing you inside to help and trusting you is so, it's just life-giving to me Mm. and my personality. So I love that about that particular marketplace. Yeah. You know, in, I certainly appreciate what you said, but I'd ask you to expand upon that if you wouldn't mind about small to mid-sized business being kind of this, the heart of, or the lifeblood of an economy, you know, because here we are in Cincinnati, right? I'm a former Cintas guy, big company in Cincinnati, uh, P&G, of course, right? Kroger, my son works with Kroger, just moved out to Denver with them. So, you know, uh, look, a lot of big employers here in Cincinnati, that might say, hey, we are the lifeblood of, you know, the economy. And as we go, so goes the economy, whatever. So, so, like, why do you say what you say about small to mid-sized business being the, the lifeblood here? Yeah, and again, it's not to diss on those big companies. Sure, Because they're course, doing great things in our community and not only our community, but, but nationwide and worldwide. But what I would say is this, um, the businesses that I'm referencing, um, you know, we could go on and on about the troubles of our country right now. And, and, and Lord knows we've, we've got them. But to me, what was really accentuated through, through the COVID period was that many times we're a very entitled country. And we also, we, we really value and prioritize comfort and security over other things. And so what's the antidote to that? Entrepreneurs, mm. people that are going out like you, and saying, you know what, we've got an idea, we've got a passion, and we're going to get after it. And we're going to create a business that we can see there's a real niche for where we can bring value. And so that's why I love working with those folks, because at the end of the day, um, they're kind of, you know, you, you got to put your, 
your your big boy pants on, if you will, because, you know, again, they eat risk for breakfast, but they're so passionate about what they do and then sharing that vision with others and, and creating jobs and and making the world a better place. Yeah. I think to me, that's that we need more of that. Mm. And, and so that's why I, I love working with them. I mean, I'm, I tend to be a lot less risk adverse, you know, than, than most of the folks in my profession and you have to be, yeah. um, but, but they're energizing to me. I was just with a, um, I was with, with a new client, um, that's out in LA and they, um, they do, they do cosmetic work and, and they're growing like crazy, but they, they really know their why they've got a young CEO. Oh, she's amazing. She used to be at a really big company. Uh, she had a friend who was uh, going through cancer treatment at age 24 and she couldn't, you know, every, everyone want, especially, you know, and again, this is every woman, the, the woman wants to know they're beautiful. You know, they want to feel uh, and they are, and they're, they're amazing. But when you go through cancer and you've lost your hair and your eyebrows, um, you're not feeling that way. And so she knew that a lot of the cosmetics that were out there contained things that would make them further sick. And so she created this line of cosmetics that are vegan and they are uh, cruelty-free and they're organic and it's taken off. Mm. And it all started with, I want to help my friend. And so, uh, and, but then the other thing that's really cool is even in their name cause instead of COS, it's C-A-U-S-E. And what they're doing is they're taking a good part of, they're either giving product away to indigenous and people that cannot afford it. Mm. Um, but they're also giving profits away to support women's empowerment causes, wow. like women veterans who are coming back and, um, are trying to transition. They support and, and battered women, you know, and women that have been, uh, domestically, you know, how do you get them back on their feet and moving forward? And I think it's just, I was out there and it was just so exciting. I mean, there's just <laughs> so much passion about what they were doing. And, yeah. and, you know, they're going to grow that business. I mean, probably to a billion. Wow. And, but it wasn't about the money. It was about more people need to know about what we're doing and we want to help more people. Mm. So those are the folks that I like to get around. And I'm not saying you don't have that at the big company, sure. but you have it in spades yeah. at those smaller companies that are taking risks and having visions and, maybe knowing their why a little bit better and just, yeah. I want to be a part of serving them so they can serve others. Let's talk about uh, what your plans are in the future. Again, we started this segment back at the beginning of this year with a podcast calling you in 2022. And here we are now round and third heading for home in 2022. So anything in this final quarter of 2022 that's on your heart or what's on the horizon for you in 2023? Well, so we took this, I took over the, the outside general counsel services group at Frost Brown Todd, um, in December of 2020. Yeah. And, uh, it was, it was a pretty cool time because, you know, we were all kind of revisiting how we did what we did with this new, new economy and, you know, with things being more vo virtual and, and so they've allowed me to take that, you know, we, we do a number of different things. We can be a, a secondment if a general counsel at a company leaves and they need, temporary support, or we can come alongside an existing legal department and supplement so they don't have to hire additional help at that time and be a constant source of, you know, trusted advice and responsiveness. Um, or it's the one that, that, you know, I'm, I'm focused on, which is they don't have a general counsel and they're on, they're growing for scale, but they, once they understand the competitive advantage, someone who has been a general counsel or thinks like a general counsel, again, more of a, a business advisor that's helping to grow the company then they really, really want it. And so 
as passionate as I am, I've spent the last year and a half going, well, you can't really put this into a process, but there are some visions and values and statements that we can put together, go, this is the way we operate differently as the OGC team and put together some materials talking about, again, what is our value added proposition? Yeah. How do we do it differently? You know, strategic, proactive, get to yes, risk leveraging, trusted advisor, yeah. right? That's over and over and over again. Uh, and changing the dialogue about what an attorney does and can do for you. So 2022 has been focused a lot on bringing more people into that group from our firm. Uh, we actually have an assessment now where we, somebody goes through an assessment to see if they have that kind of mentality and passion to really do well here um, and do well with the process and then start mentoring and training them. So a week ago, I was in Houston with one of my partners down there, super sharp. And she was onboarding her first outside general counsel client. She was so psyched because she was excited about growing that relationship. And because Frost Brand Hat has such amazing resources, being a great connector, you know, identifying like a general practitioner, yeah. identifying the issues, the, the opportunities, and then connecting them with the right resources and the right advisors to move them forward. So that's a lot of my focus right now. I'm yeah. looking, obviously, always looking for new clients to help them, but helping my partners um, use that model to deliver services and have much more fulfilling relationships with their clients. Do, do you see, uh, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you know, Frost from Todd. So how many offices do you guys have around the country? I think 13 now. Okay. We just added, added a couple over COVID, which was great. You yeah. Know, we were courageously getting after it, but um, yeah, I think we have about 13 or 14. Now. And do, do you see, um, share whatever you can share, don't share, but and, you know, would each of those, offices eventually have an outside general counsel office team focus yes so i mean we're, we're kind of a firm without borders so we don't always look at ourselves as it's houston or washington dc or indianapolis because sometimes we have strengths like our benefits team in louisville is par none mm. um our environmental team in cincinnati is top notch and yeah. we don't necessarily have that resource and that strength in another so it's kind of bringing those those folks together. But, you know, the OGC thing in, in some of our newer markets is a great differentiator to go to market with because Cincinnati, Louisville, some of these other established markets, they know who Frost Brown Todd is. Mm -hmm. Houston, Washington, D.C., which we just opened, they don't. Yeah. And so how do you go in again and say, we're different than the bigger firms here? Why? Because this is the way we operate. Teamwork, collaboration, access to all of our resources, not just that one individual. Yeah. So it's going to be a go-to-market strategy and has been yeah. for them. I think that's where this year, next year, and beyond goes is how do we replicate that model in all of our markets? And so that's going to be one of my big goals is supporting, mentoring, and developing that. That's cool. Yeah. Well, good luck on that. You're going to be uh, fantastic. I mean, it's, I hadn't thought of your business as that. Like it's not uncommon for companies to have you know, a national accounts division, and then they've got a maybe a, an emerging markets business where you take somebody that's like you kind of shared the company you just talked about, the cosmetics company. I, I think you told me off air. I mean, they were they were zero, they're new. I mean, zero six years ago. Now, well on their way to multiple hundreds of millions and on their way to a billion, and and so that's an emerging markets, right? They don't fit in the P and G Cintas Kroger yet, but maybe they're going to get there over the next decade or decades. And I mean, that's exciting. So right. yeah. Wow. Really cool. All right, brother. If you would, it's time to roll the dice here. So 
10. 10. <laughs> Number 10. All right. So, um, man, we were talking about this a little bit off air, so this is, this is good. So we have all had the footprints in the sand moments in our life. Uh, would you mind sharing one of yours? There's been a lot, right? Uh, it's been quite a journey. Uh, there's been valleys and there's been peaks, but I have always felt like he's been with me. And But one one time in particular where I know he was coming alongside of me, and we, we, we talked about identity, you know, at the very beginning of this. When I graduated from the Air Force Academy, you know, I, I'd spent, it, it was it was the era of Top Gun and, you know, I had planes <laughs> flying over formations and games. I see you as and, Tom Cruise. I see well, Tom Cruise playing Todd Wolkowski well, here. So that's, sorry, that's, sorry. That's, that's very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> but but it goes to the story. So I so I mean I was just jazzed to be a pilot. I yeah. kind of grown up wanting to be James Bond, but then I'm like, oh no, this pilot thing, <laughs> man, this will be great. But it, it, it was kind of going to become my identity and yeah. was becoming my identity. So I did I did well at the academy. I went to my top choice of pilot training base. And it was an interesting time because it was 89 and the wall had fallen and uh, Russia had been exposed, you know, as a paper tiger. And so we were starting to actually downgrade our, our, our military force. And so in any event, I, I go down there and in two months I wash out. Hmm. And so my identity, right, was I'm going to be a pilot. Well, now I'm not a pilot anymore. Wow. So it's kind of like, that was the moment where I can just remember going off the high horse yeah. and going, okay, God, this is not what it's going to be. What does it need to be? And I, I can tell you my initial reaction was I'm going to go to navigator school and I'm going to show <laughs> them why they shouldn't have washed me out. Cause I'm going to be the best daggone navigator. Yeah. And what ended up happening was my dossier was actually floating um, through uh, air force, uh, air force uh, command. And they were going to assign me to a missile silo, which is what they were doing with a lot of my classmates that didn't make it through pilot training, but they see my resume says, lived in Panama, speak Spanish fluently, um, has a minor in Spanish. And so they grab my resume and they send me to the Pentagon. And I do, I'm in the drug, uh, counter drug, counterterrorism war for four years when we were doing that um, overseas, which was really, really exciting. But the thing before all that happened was in your darkest moments on your knees and going, God, what is what am I supposed to do? Because everything that I thought I was going to do just got rocked. That's when I realized he was always there with me wow. the whole time. Mm. And he was just waiting for me to go, okay, son, thanks. Now that you've asked me, here, I've got some ideas. Yeah. You know, so. so as a young guy, if I could ask, you know, because I think, you know, here we are in, in how old are you? 55. 55. I'm actually a okay. so, bit, so, so <laughs> young at heart. Here, here we are. You look Vintage. a lot, you look Vintage. a lot better than I do. So, so here we are in our fifties. Right. And, 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 you know, um, kind of, you know, we got the benefit of age, wisdom, experience, all that kind of stuff. Right. So, you know, you, we all can have that faith, but man, back in your twenties or even for our teenage kids and things, you know, that kind of faith component of things doesn't always come easy. Right. Because you're used to being in control and in charge. So how did you get through that, man? Maybe I'm not in control. Was there somebody that helped you? Or how did you how did you get to that point at a younger age here? So um, if we haven't figured it out, whether we're vintage like you and me or young, <laughs> um, after the past two and a half years that we're not in control, we'll wake up. Because we're not. And that doesn't mean that life is just, you know, completely chance and circumstance because, you know, we're, we're called to work hard and, and we're called to seek direction. 
but we got to hold on loosely because if we follow, right, we're not just a believer, if we're a disciple and we follow, we've got to believe that the, the person that created us, not just our parents, but the person that created us has a plan for our life. Mm. And everybody wants to know that. Why am I here? Why is my life going to make a difference, right? What's my purpose? Yeah. And so the only way you're going to know that is if you go back to the person that created you. And so I had, I mean, again, I, you know, I, I was very involved in, in, I'm a Catholic in the, in the youth organization there and, and in young life. And I just had some folks that really poured into me and, and, and really were transparent and showed me, Hey, it's not all fun and roses being a Christian. There's suffering and other things, but the reality is you have hope and you can, and make that suffering have some meaning to it mm. and that there's a plan, Yeah, you know, I mean, we're all kind of like, well, you know, go to high school, go to college, get a job, get married, have babies, you know, retire, <laughs> right. Pay your taxes. And it's like, there's more to life than that. Yeah. Not to say that's not stuff you do, but there's more to life than that. Yeah. And so, um, I just think, you know, one of the people that has really influenced me even recently, like I read his books in high school and I just read them because they were compulsory, but it was, it was Henry David Thoreau, you know, and he, and he went away for a while. Man, he only lived 46 years, I think. So it was a really short life, but he he contemplated on what life was. Mm. And he said two things. And he said two things that one that inspires me, that's what I want to do. And one that I'm um, inspires me. It's not what I want to do. And one was, he talks about sucking the marrow out of life. Yeah. We, I mean, we don't know how many days we have here. Uh, I don't want to waste any of them. Yeah. Right? I want to be fully engaged in whatever he wants me to do. And that's to impact and influence others for good. Yeah. The other thing he said is, the shame about the world, and he said this about men, because men find their identity in what they do and what they have more than women do. He said that so many men are living lives of quiet desperation. Mm. And they go to their grave with their song in their heart. Mm. So they were just going through the motion, Steve. And so, you know, I know a lot of men that are like that right now. Yeah. And they're looking forward to retirement just to get across the line. Because what they're doing right now is sucking the life out of them. But they don't think there's anything better. And again, it's all about security and comfort. And so uh, I spent a lot of time with a lot of different people trying to encourage them with my story to say, there is no way. I could have ever imagined I was going to be in Cincinnati, Ohio, mm-hmm. working for a big firm, never desired to be a lawyer, um, four kids, you know, right? But God knew that's where he wanted me to be. And yeah. so um, through a lot of missteps and misdirection, um, which I now look back on as some of the best blessings, the things I didn't get, yeah. the, the things that I failed at, that's what shaped me to be where I am, which is somebody who trusts and just says salutes, you know, and, and what do you want me to do today? All right, brother. Thank you for all of that. I I know, I I know, I know, uh, I promised you that we're going to be done. So, uh, so thank you for all of that. Phenomenal stuff. If people want to get hold of you, continue this conversation, pick your brain. I know you're very generous with your time. How do they get hold of you? Sure. So again, I'm, I'm a partner over at Frost Brown Todd and my email is T as in Todd Wolkowski. W-I-L-K-O-W-S-K-I at fbtlaw.com. And, uh, and and Steve has my phone numbers too. Yeah. So if you wanted yeah. to reach out, but I very passionate about connecting, yeah. networking, uh, helping people to really kind of discern and step out in faith and trust to, if they're being called to something else, 
um, from what they're doing right now or even within what they're doing right now to, to have a new expression for awesome. us. So be happy to, to meet and be an encourager. Thank you for letting me uh, bend your ear for quite a bit on the couch before the podcast <laughs> and then through the podcast and, and through the conversation, man. Thanks so much for being here long overdue, but, but uh, very much worth the wait. So thanks for your time. I appreciate sure. your time and everything you're doing, Steve. All right, brother. Keep up the good work. Yeah. Love you. Thanks. Love you too, man. Yeah.